Hi, I'm Dan Sanguinetti, and this is Film Rhapsody. In this week's episode, I sat down and spoke with camera filmmaker Hugh Sanderson, where he shared his insights into the art of filmmaking, as well as some exploits making his award-winning lights camera action films. Hugh Sanderson is one of Canberra's true success stories when it comes to the world of filmmaking. He took out Best Film three times in a row at Lights Camera Action and has gone on to produce some major television campaigns in the corporate and advertising industry. Of course, he is also one of the most modest, down-to-earth people I have had the pleasure to have known for a number of years, and he would be blushing to hear me speak so highly of him. But something I got to know about him after sharing a production office on our feature film Me and My Mates vs. Zombie Apocalypse is that Hugh can talk his butt off. I guess that's why I was totally okay with him taking control of our interview from earlier this year, and essentially I became the guest on the Hugh Sanderson Show. We pick up the interview about an hour into his first monologue. Let's just not talk for a while. Let's just listen to some music, enjoy each other's company. It's like that meme where you have small brain, big brain, large brain, explosion brain. I was at the final stage and I'm like, oh, you can have friendships with people that doesn't involve filling every moment of silence with some kind of sound. It was amazing. First, straight off the bat, to tell a good story, begin with character. Yep. Always. Uh, it's good to have plot and theme spinning around your head. You kind of want to know what it's going to look like and have a sense of that. And yep. I say all this knowing full well, and, I, and the reason I brought this up before is all of my films started from wanting to see something on screen and maybe having a bit of an idea of a theme. Yep. But what I learned to do, and I didn't do this for the first few films, and I, and I think Turn Back was the first one I really actually stopped and did this, but... I think it's important to have a good sense of your plot and your theme, but then you've got to park them, you've got to put them in a drawer, and you have got to really figure out your character, yeah. first and foremost, without them being beholden to plot or theme. Um, you want to find a journey where a flawed character, born out of some existential fear that they've got, goes on a journey and learns to either abandon that flaw, or they tragically fail to abandon that flaw. Yeah. That is basically the essence of all storytelling on stage, on film, on television. Just yeah. you've got to start there. Once you know your character, and this is the brilliant thing about like when you start just focusing on character, you'll realize that your plot will just so easily fall into place because it will make perfect sense for the journey that they need to go on. And then the true theme about your film will reveal itself. Yeah. Character will crystallize everything else for you. Yeah. Now that's to tell a good story. To make a good film, which I think is the next layer on top of this, dynamics are essential. Dynamics are kind of this idea is that you're going on this up and down and up and down or some kind of arc, right? And that's why I think uh, like character change is just so inherent in film. Yeah. You have a roller coaster that you're putting your audience on. You're setting them on a journey, they reach a midpoint, they go into crisis, they come out again, and it's a really intense ride. Yeah. Audiences love that stuff. Yeah. Um, now, what having good dynamics in a film means, it also means having an end game. Um, that means we can compare the start and the middle of the film with the end of the film, and we can see different emotional points there. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's really important is to have your film resolve in some way. Um, dynamics also exist scene by scene and beat by beat. Audiences really love investing in character. Um, they love piecing together story themselves. Don't overserve them with information or exposition. Like trust that they're smart and that they want to figure things out. Yeah. Um, but audiences also love being surprised. They like thinking they have things figured out, but then get surprised as well. And you can't do that with a story that's a straight line. Yeah. You need dynamics. Um, give what you really want to do in your film is constantly give them cliffhangers, beat by beat, scene by scene, and act by act, uh, act by act. Where, that are tied to the character. It's not, will the bomb go off? That's not the cliffhanger. We're talking about like, this character has just learned new information. Oh my God, what are they going to do next? Yeah. And beat by beat, this happens. It doesn't have to be a big obvious moment, but it's just little switches of power of the character being empowered and having that flipped on their heads as the situation changes. If you can really get dynamics into your film, you're going to create something that's going to engage the audience. Yeah. Um, even if it's a drama, like a, like a conversation of a coffee at a table, you can still have dynamics there. So I think that's really important. Yep. Um, the next one I've got is just, I think, here's five really easy things to aim for um, in your film. And I do see in a lot of films, particularly films coming out from students, which is so fine. Like, university and study is a great place to get your bad shit out and also rehearse and practice and become familiar with that as well. But I think there's a few quick things you can do that will really strengthen your story. Uh, you want setup, midpoint, crisis, climax, and catharsis. Yeah. Those are pretty self-explanatory. I think catharsis is the one that sometimes isn't quite easy to know when you've nailed it. It's not a plot beat, which you could argue the others are. Um... But it's more a payoff for the audience. Yep. A, a good place to see catharsis working are in gimmick films. Look at a lot of trop first entries, basically, um, that rely on a punchline um, or, or they kind of amount to a twist. There may not be a lot more in what the film offers, but because they offer a twist, some kind of ironic ending to the story... Does it, it make it a good film? Um I, I think it's a different kind of film. It's not the kind of film I would necessarily make, but yeah. I think what, what they do consistently well by having an ironic twist is it's making sure there's catharsis. There is a resolution to the tension uh, that the audience uses to release that tension. Um, and often it's a comedic punchline or a twist, something unexpected. Um, but it's basically catharsis as a whole is this idea of it, it's the reward the audience gets for going on the roller coaster of the story that's been told. Um, it's basically makes our investment in the character worthwhile at the yeah. end of the day. And that, that's something that's inherent, not just in comedy, but in drama as well. Uh, uh, and it doesn't mean it has to be a happy ending either. It could be a sad ending, but if there's some kind of resolute hold to the film made by this, we go like, okay, I've learned something. I've, I've, I've grown as a person. It's made me think yeah. they could be all those things, but definitely google it for a much more efficient explanation um, but <laughs> no, I, think, I think you've done well so. thank you no i think catharsis is important um yeah. catharsis is you don't want to trail off into nothing just don't taper off into nothingness i think that happens a bunch in 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 some short films it's easy to kind of end on well i woo, i don't even know how to describe it but yeah. um you, you want to have a resolution and catharsis only comes with resolution yeah it may not be a happy resolution, but that's okay. That's storytelling. Hey! Oh, you make a big ton of noise, then? Do you know who I am? You must stop. You don't come closer. I said, do you know who I am? 
The Prime Minister of Australia, you pig! What name you calling me? The PM of Australia, you pig! Um, in terms of career stuff, I guess... I think, yeah, it's important to recognise at a point where maybe keeping doing the same thing, and this can go for anything. Yeah. Doing the same thing and kind of operating at the same level, you've got this kind of like... It can be easy to fall into what's comfortable. Yeah. Um, and you know what? And But that that's okay. For me, That there was a point where I had to be like, all right, I actually need to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone if I want to improve what I am able to do to learn more to inform my my career um, but I think it's about knowing kind of what you want to do with yourself as a filmmaker like there are some filmmakers who uh, that they make movies purely because it brings them joy aside from what there might be a day job um, otherwise and it and it, it's the thing that they love and they're doing it just for themselves and enjoying it along the way. And I think that is a completely fine and acceptable thing to do. Uh, it's, it's, it depends on who you are and what you want to do. But if what you want to do is like be really, if, you're, if, if you want to aim sky high and, and, and really see yourself operating on, uh, I mean, for many, it would be on a global scale telling stories, um, you, you, that it's not going to be a comfortable ride getting there. And yeah. you need to be willing to throw yourself in the deep end. And sometimes that means letting yourself loose from comfort. I have a company with two great friends, Simone Thompson and Josie Baines, both Canberra alumni, I guess. Uh, and uh, our company, it's called Oddity Entertainment. And what we do is we go intense on story development, really intense on story development. Because we love it. We love story. We really do. And we see lots of amazing opportunities for story. So, we're, like, it, it's a vehicle for our own writing. But it's also, a, it's also a vehicle through which we work with other writers to really help them collect their ideas for a story and structure it into a film or a TV show. Um, it's a long game. Development takes a long time to do, especially for TV. I think... That has kind of been the product of what Lights, Camera, Action has done. But it's a way of getting there is what, I, when I was reflecting on this over the last day, interested me. And it really took listening to Simone especially to recognize when maybe I wasn't telling the best stories that I could. Or I wasn't telling stories that I actually wanted to say. I, it's an inherent privilege yeah. to be able to to make film. Yes, the landscape is more democratized than ever, but I think there's a catch with that. I think the catch is that it's easier than ever to tell the wrong story without realizing it because there is little technical friction to making a film. Um, I think it's easy to make a technically excellent thing and but also make a story that's not compelling. I think it's easy to make a technically compelling thing, make a story that is compelling but also not be the right person to tell that story and yeah. not tell it as well as it could have been done. I think with making film, you don't want to waste the opportunity to say something worthwhile. Kind of what you said before a little bit about like, oh, making a film for the sake of saying, I've made a film, I'm cool, or getting the recognition um, is, isn't, I guess, something that I think is as important to aspire towards as actually telling something that's going to stick with people and, and is going to kind of make some kind of lasting change. Um, 
And I think um, that's why I always come back to start with character. Because, like, if you're building something around plot, because wouldn't this be cool, then... I don't know, like, your characters are contrived and, like, it may entertain in the moment, but is it going to have a lasting impression? Yeah. Right? Um, There's a few things I realized about my earlier films. And this kind of goes for Parting Gift for one week later uh, and for even the algorithm as well. Yeah. Is that I wasn't really asking myself what I actually wanted to say. I was falling into the trap of not starting with character. Um, Even if I believed the characters' journeys as a whole, they were kind of built from tropes. Like, there are cool themes and cool plots. And remember, I started with wanting to see a visual with a lot of these films. Telstra Tower Collapsing, Bushfire, The Future. Um, So, cool themes, cool plots, but fake characters in a way. Um, But I I think this is okay. I think this is a journey that you're only going to be able to realize in many cases in retrospect. But I think it's important to look for it as well. Basically, what I was doing with, um, I, I guess, one week later is like I knew I wanted there, there to be a bushfire. Um, and then I had a character of uh, a single mother whose young son was a protagonist. And young son just wants to make friends, but mother is super protective of him. Um, and then when the bushfire comes through, he runs away looking for his friend who he hasn't been allowed to see at all and worries the worst for her. And then the mother freaks out, of course, like huge point of trust issue. Yeah, there, right? yeah. But that was all built because I knew it would serve the plot of the bushfires. Um, I, I think they, could, I think it's certainly connected with people. But I know that there wasn't anything in me being like, this is something that 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 is important to me, that is a part of me, that I'm needing to say why this kind of trust between families is so important. I realized in hindsight, it came together because I knew these were effective tropes yeah. to create a story that would resonate. And it's really interesting to see different people recognize and read the film. And I'm, and I'm really glad it does. But I kind of look back at it for me. And Simone helped me point this out. She was like, Hugh, I don't think you're really thinking about what you want to say with your films. I don't think you really have anything to say. And I look back and I'm like, you're not wrong. Mm. There wasn't anything I hugely wanted to say. The stuff I wanted to show. Yeah. But I think that was a really important seminal moment for me. It made me rethink all the current projects I was working on and look at, okay, what am I actually trying to say? And there's some big projects where it made me dig deeper and then realize that the essence of what it was I was trying to say with them and make that come to the, to the, to the front. I think Turnback got closer. And this yeah. is what I say, I say it was the closest to pulling this off. Um, it came from anger at government policy. Um, though... That was theme at the end of the day. There were some reasons I think the character was different though. Because so I look back to the character um, and I kind of see a little bit of where it came from now because there's many different ways he could have got the Prime Minister into um, this situation. But the big one is he's in the car on a feet. It starts with him on the phone to his daughter and they have a factitious relationship at best. Um, at the end of the day, he's a character who kind of like fears being disliked by other people. Um, but his reaction to that is for is that he kind of puts up these buttresses and he kind of double down, doubles down on it. Yeah. And that was something that like, as I was going through university and coming out of that, that's a bit of the person I used to be. I used to be really proud, worried that people would kind of see through that. And so I would really double down and commit to the way I saw things and, and not allow myself to kind of go on some kind of internal reflection of like, okay, maybe you need to take stock, um, accept a mistake um, own it and then make an effort to change the way you think about things or the way you go about doing things. And that's kind of the journey that went into that character. It's, it's, it's subtle, but it's there. Um, it was a half-conscious process as well. It wasn't a super-conscious process. 
but that was probably the more important character out of all those films, I think, that kind of had me getting better at it. But even then, it was half-conscious, and it wasn't until later I was realising, okay, I see why that worked, but I also see why the others maybe didn't work, for me, in hindsight, as yeah. well. Um, so, so I guess these days, through the company, I work with writers who really have something I want to say. And a question I often ask is, or a thing I say is like, write the show you wish you had at a difficult time in your life. And don't be ashamed if that feels too small or invalid against other people's struggles or journeys or, or, or needs, you know. But also at the same time, don't inflate it into something that it wasn't. And I think this kind of like embodies the idea of write what you know. Yeah. You don't need to be an astrophysicist to write science fiction. You don't need to be a philosopher to develop interesting theme. But for character, you want to come back to what you've lived and what you've needed to grow as a person and make that underpin the journeys that your characters go through. They may be in a fantastical world that they go through. They may have a totally different career to what you had. They may be in a totally different ethical dilemma. But it's got to be true to something you can speak honestly about. And then you, sometimes you just got to recognize when maybe another person is better equipped to tell that story. And either that might be bringing someone else on board to help inform that story and writing with someone. And I don't think just consult. I think just get other writers onto the table with you. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it's actually stepping back and saying, okay, you know what? Maybe I need to rethink my character, rethink my story. Or maybe look to who can I back who's going to be better equipped to tell this, you know. Um, basically it all amounts to like, don't waste the opportunity that the vehicle of a film provides, put it to good use and be humble enough to recognize when there's someone who could put it to better use. And maybe that's a great time to expand your opportunity as a filmmaker, which is a collaborative thing to do and maybe back them all the way this time instead. Today. We upload and share every aspect of our lives online. The algorithm makes personalised suggestions based on this information. Today, you don't need to think. You just need to do. As a final thought, um, if you were to meet yourself as a filmmaker, say, 10 years ago, you were making films 10 years ago, yeah? What's the... Yes. Yes. So yes. 10 years ago, from you today to 10 years ago, yeah, the 10-year challenge that's yeah. just come out, Sorry, glow up. I believe is the oh, is it the term? Okay, uh, <laughs> no, it I'm was. Not, I'm not hip with the uh, the Mimi, the Mimi people. Solves the memes. <laughs> um, no, definitely a challenge for me. Not really a glow up. Um, yeah. But, so yeah. so yeah. So if you were to bump into yourself, you know, you're traveling back in time, ten years from now, and you you had to give one, you're like you had thirty seconds to give one piece of advice. What would you say to yourself? So. 10 years ago, I was uh, beginning year 11, yep. really just starting to get into making more and more films. And what I would say to myself back then is the sooner you recognize the value of teamwork and having voices you trust and deeply consider on your process, the richer you're going to be for it. Because they're going to help you make better films and they're also going to help you become a better person to work with help you grow and change and if you grow and change that gives you all the material you need to write what you know 
start with really amazing characters and then tell the best possible stories you can. Yeah. And then now you fade back into the future. Yeah, then then <laughs> I go kill my so granddad. Kind of, there's some <laughs> nonsense. What kind of time travel are we talking here? Are there multiple timelines? Are we kind of saying everything's the same, or it's like multiverse kind of stuff? Uh, like, I don't know. We could we could probably have a an entire another hour of talking <laughs> delving could. into that. Time I, travel's my jam. I um, you know, for me, and uh, if I was to go back, it would be much more about um, just do it more. Uh, I think I I had a fear. Uh, I had fear to go out and, and yeah, yeah, interact and fear to collaborate. I think I saw it more as this is meant to be a competitive industry. And I think that was a big mistake for me to, to think that. Um, and I've now discovered, I mean, I've worked with everyone who used to, I used to think I was competing against. Um, I've now worked with them on, on multiple projects and I realized it, it is... As you said, it's it is better to collaborate. You become a better person for it, and you learn and grow. Yeah, and and your films are better as a result. Yeah, so I completely agree with what you said as well. I think going out there to take the plunge and make stuff is a really important step as well. And not seeing it yep as a competitive process, but a collaborative process. And the reward is in people enjoying a story that you and your friends and your peers have made it's not prizes no. it's not prizes are a great carrot to get people to a place but if that's your sole focus then you're going to make something soulless yeah yeah no i agree um it's films with passion and storytellers with passion tend to tend to grab people much easier um and and it, and it stands out it stands yeah. out in your project yeah, and particularly you could say, particularly your fire, your your fire, um, Canberra Fires film was, you know, it, it, you could tell that you experienced being around in Canberra during that time. It reflected in that work, and as much as your anger for um, the political climate for Turnback, so I think that says a lot, and I, I think that's something um, I hope a lot of uh, other filmmakers can appreciate and and use that in in the way that they approach their films um so yeah now look uh is there anything that you would like to plug because you know that's a thing that people do on podcasts apparently is they like to plug so is there something you want to plug something that you want people to pay attention to oh it's a it's a there's not really anything i want to plug at the end of the day um mainly because i don't get royalties for whatever plug i do um uh so yeah uh look i honestly no i think um if anything i think it would just be kind of another kind of final thought thing um it would be more about like key writing uh, i mean i love script i love story i love starting with that and i think the more you keep writing the more you let yourself see that you are allowed to write bad work mm -hmm. and feel you are allowed to look back at your past work. Let me phrase this differently. You're allowed, you are allowed to look at your past work as recent or as far back in time as you like and accept that it is maybe bad in your eyes now. And being able to recognize that and figure out why and then move on from that and grow is just a great opportunity. So it's, 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 I guess it's kind of like a public service announcement kind of plug instead. Yeah. One day we'll get a TV show out of Oddity. Yeah. And I'll plug it all the time then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for now, 
we uh, tend to play it pretty quiet. So <laughs> there's nothing huge on the horizon, but yeah. Well, thank you for spending some time with me and chatting. Pleasure, thank you for the invitation. You can check out more of Hugh's work on his website at hughsanderson.com. Thanks also to Hugh for letting us use some short clips from his films played in order on this podcast, One Week Later from 2013, Turn Back from 2015, and The Algorithm from 2014. On our next episode of Film Rhapsody, my special co-host Russell Lee will return to Chapter 3 of The Alex Chronicles, where we chat with my long-term film collaborator, Michael J. Watson. You're listening to Film Rhapsody, and I'm Dan Sanguinetti. Film Rhapsody is produced by Dan Sanguinetti and Russell Lee for Sanguinetti Media. Head to sanguinetimedia.com.au to subscribe to all our episodes. Oh, I didn't record it.